Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Good morning, goal achievers. It is morning somewhere in the world, so I can say that. I'm excited, as always, right? When do I ever not be excited to bring on our guests for the podcast? But uh, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. This is your host, Hal Elrod. And today I'm bringing on a newer friend of mine, if you will, and the newest co-author in the Miracle Morning book series. You're about to meet Anna David. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Anna because what she has overcome in her life, what she's accomplished is pretty extraordinary. She is the New York Times bestselling author of two novels and four nonfiction books about addiction, recovery, and relationships. Anna has been published in the New York Times, Time, the LA Times, Vanity Fair, Playboy, Vice, Cosmo, People, Marie Claire, Red Book, Esquire, Self, Women's Health, and the Huffington Post. I'm out of breath, but I could keep going because there's a bunch more. And she's been written about in numerous publications as well. That includes Forbes, Martha Stewart Living, Entrepreneur, Allure, and Women's Health. I think you can understand why I asked her to be a co-author based on her prolific writing experience. And uh, she's appeared repeatedly on the Today Show, Hannity, Dr. Drew, The Talk, The CBS Morning Show, The Insider, and numerous other programs on Fox News, NBC, CBS, MTV, VH1E. I could go on and on. Right now, she speaks at colleges across the country about relationships, addiction, and recovery. And she's been a featured speaker at three different TEDx events. And through her company, Light Hustler, she helps creatives share their dark to find their light. And she does that through coaching, writing, workshops, retreats, online courses, a podcast, a storytelling show, and more. And most recently, Anna and I co-authored a new book together. It is The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery, Letting Go of Who You've Been for Who You Can Become. And I'm honored. I'm grateful. I'm excited. Anna, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. It's the culmination. You know, it's the big moment after, you know, a lot of work together on this, a lot of fun work, I will say. So it's exciting to be here. Yeah, it is. I know whenever a book is done, you're like, oh, right. I'm not a woman, so I've never carried a baby yeah. for nine months, but I would imagine, right? It's, it's People do liken it to childbirth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would imagine childbirth is a little tougher. Writing a book's hard, but I don't know. I don't know that I would compare the two. So much easier than people act like it is. Yeah. It, and I say that to anyone out there who wants to write a book. It is so much easier than you think it is. It's one foot in front of the other, right? Like, right, it's every day. That's one thing that when I wrote The Miracle Morning, I had in my affirmation, my reminder was just spend time with it. Because that was the thing is if I thought about writing, I often drew blanks and nothing came to me. And so then I wouldn't even open my computer to start. And what I realized is if I set the timer for 30 minutes or 60 minutes and I just sat in front of what I had already written and I kept trying or writing and then Googling ideas or article, right? Like you just have to spend time with it and enough time, and eventually a book is born, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, this is why I help people do this, because they all, everybody has a story to tell. They all dream of writing books, and then they all think they can't do it because they they let their fear, their false evidence appearing real, tell them it's too hard. Yeah. And no, you just need direction and accountability, and you can crank out a book easily. 
in months or they let their imposter syndrome get in the way, right? Which I definitely had that with Miracle Morning. Like, who am I to write this book and tell people they should wake up early? This is crazy. So we're going to dive into, you know, the topic today is about addiction recovery and addiction is plaguing our society in so many ways. People are addicted to, you know, not just drugs or alcohol, but video games now, right? I keep seeing, you know, articles and television programs and specials on like how gaming is ruining people's lives. People are addicted to pornography, right? And how that also can ruin marriages and ruin lives in various ways. So addiction is a huge problem across America. And I'd imagine worldwide, I'm not too familiar with it in other countries, but I'd imagine it's a worldwide phenomenon. I'd love to start with kind of your addiction story. Like what is your experience? What's led you to this work that you do now so well? Well, I am an addict. Um, I was addicted to cocaine, alcohol, Ambien. Um, those were the, those were the main ones, cigarettes for sure. And I, um, I've been sober since uh, November 19th of 2000. So, um, oh, so, 17 and a half years. Okay. And, um, you know, in my definition of addiction, addiction to me is not about how many DUIs you have or how many overdoses you have. It is about, um, it is about a way of thinking. It is about, I'm not much, but I'm all I think about this, this, I'm the piece of crap in the center of the universe kind of, um, just self-obsession, self-hatred. And whether it's a genetic predisposition, which often it is, or it's the result of sort of your childhood circumstances, which either exacerbate or diminish that genetic predisposition, it doesn't matter because it's, it's about, I can't stand how I feel and I'll do anything I can to Mm. escape. That could mean cocaine and that could mean video games and that could mean work and that could mean porn. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't discriminate. And like you said, it's all over. So mine happened to be uh, drugs and alcohol. And in a way, I'm lucky because it was killing me and I had to do something about it as opposed to these sort of process addictions where doing video games uh, you may not die if you sit there and do video games, sure. for but if you sit there and you're taking 10 Ambien a night, you will. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so my experience was that my life got very, very, very small. Um, and I knew I didn't want to be sober. That sounded disgusting, boring, horrible, all of those things that every addict thinks. And then I got so desperate that I was willing to believe it might be better than dying. And that's as hopeless as I was. So what was your backstory that led to the addiction? Like, why were you unhappy or what were you trying to cover up or what were you trying to heal? You know, I was this, like, in many ways, this super normal, very well-adjusted kid. I have a very mentally ill father and I am, and, um, I didn't understand that at the time, but there's trauma and there's emotional abuse. And there was, there were all these things I didn't understand that I was trying to escape from. I thought I was having fun. And I was at first. And then the difference between, you know, we, you know, the difference between the addict and the person who's sort of experimenting with drugs is the person experimenting. It's a phase. It ends. They have suffer some repercussions. They're like, okay, I'm going to stop this. The addict, uh, it's a phase. It doesn't end. They suffer some repercussions. They go, okay, well, better suffer those and just keep going. Um, you know, so I had um, things I was grappling with and um, and I had no tools at all. Um, I was raised by some very bizarre principles um, mm. and and not every addict. I know addicts who come from very healthy, normal families. Uh, but but my experience was that I had trauma 
And I wanted to, I, I just didn't know how to deal. And so I, like I said, I got so desperate that I was willing to do this creepy thing, which was go to rehab, ew. And I discovered in rehab, people who were talking about feelings that I didn't know how to articulate that I had. I didn't understand that I wasn't comfortable in my skin. I didn't understand that I was resenting everyone. I didn't understand that my self-obsession was what was making me so miserable. And so, and that's when I got into 12 step and that's when, you know, my life was saved. What finally got you into rehab? It was nothing dramatic. You know, people tell these stories about, you know, they're lying in the gutter and the sun shines on them and they realize it's gone and they have to go to rehab. And that was not my experience. It was just one more day waking up and going, I, I can't do this. I am so sad. I don't want to live. And that's not normal. So you checked yourself in. I did. I okay. called my mom. Okay. And I told her that I had a problem. She was not surprised. Um, we had been to Paris together the year before where um, she and my stepdad were like going to the Eiffel Tower. And I was like, see ya. And going out with like the seedy underbelly of Parisians, which I had discovered. Wow. Um and so she was not terribly surprised. And um, she and my dad, um, uh, nothing's normal in my family. They hired a cult deprogrammer. This makes no sense. Okay. So I go up to see them that day. They're, they live in Northern California. And they've hired this cult deprogrammer. And I'm like, you don't need to deprogram me. I pretty much want to go into a cult. I want to go into 12-step. And so it was very weird. Uh, we, they put me in an outpatient rehab in Los Angeles. Um, and they all say outpatient won't work. That's like the sort of thinking around addiction and recovery. It worked. Um, and, um, and actually I did relapse once I, that was May 19th. That was May 2nd of 2000. And then November 18th of 2000, I decided, and this is relevant, um, addiction and alcoholism are words I use interchangeably, but I did not at the time. I believed I was a drug addict. Mm. I didn't think I had a problem with alcohol. And so in, in rehab and 12 step, they were trying to tell me they were the same thing. I didn't believe them. And so November 18th, I did an experiment. I had a glass of wine and that experiment went so well that I had another glass of wine. And about four by four hours later, I'd had two bottles of wine and four and a half hits of ecstasy. And I determined that possibly addiction and alcoholism were the same thing. And the next day is when I got sober. Got it. So it was an experiment in rehab. You thought you could play around with this substance, alcohol, and then realize, okay, I've got to really double down and take it seriously. Well, I learned in like six hours that yeah. I caught that that experiment had failed. And I am super lucky that that failed so quickly because yeah. I know a lot of people who go out, have that experiment for 10 years and then realize it failed, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Or after it's too late and they don't realize it. Sure. So what made you want to co-author The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery? Well, first of all, it's the most amazing opportunity ever to be able to do this. I, you know, I'm one of those weird people who had not heard of the Miracle Morning. What a weirdo. Who are you? <laughs> Obviously buried in a cave somewhere. And jo so Joe Polish is a good friend of mine. And I call him my mentor. He's okay with me calling him that. He's somebody I connected with about a year and a half ago. Um, genius marketer amazing, most well-connected person ever and such a kind person. Yeah. And he was looking, he is very passionate. He is also somebody who's a former addict and he's very passionate about getting into this addiction recovery world. We met, I was passionate about growing my marketing expertise and we just sort of started partnering on a bunch of things. And um, he said to me, 
I have this thing called the Genius Network and Hal Elrod is in it. And he's the author of The Miracle Morning. And I said, what's The Miracle Morning? And he (laughs) handed me this book called The Miracle Morning that I was the last person to hear of. I sat in that very backyard that you can't actually see, especially if you're listening to this on the podcast. (laughs) And I thought, what is this guy going to tell me? I am sober 16 years. I meditate. I pray. My mornings are great. What can this guy tell me that I don't already know? And I told—I don't even think I've told you this, but I told Joe, there's something bizarre in those pages you wrote. And I think it has a lot to do with your life and uh, death experiences yeah. where you're, you're channeling something in that, that I, that I don't understand. Neither do I, but I just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, no, totally. It's not a human brain because you didn't tell me things in that book that I hadn't heard in a bunch of places, but it never in my life hit me. And I remember sitting out there and going, what is this? And I changed my morning routine the next morning. I had never done affirmations. I thought affirmations were for silly people. Um, I had never thought about getting my body moving quickly because I'm an exercise fanatic. I do it at night. Like there were all these things. And I just, I just instantly changed my morning routine. And, um, and I realized if this is as powerful for me, a cynic who thinks she knows everything about healthy living, imagine what this can do for people out there who are not so cynical, who are looking for something to, to get their days started right. Long answer. Yeah, no. Joe presents me with this opportunity to work with you and Honoré on this book. And um, I jumped at it. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, I'm so glad you did, by the way. But I'll tell you how this whole thing, I can kind of go back in time, how this came to be. Somehow, the Miracle Morning on Amazon got put into the category of addiction books. And I didn't do that. Now, there's a strategy amongst authors where right, you put a book in like an obscure category to try to get a high ranking. I didn't do that. Like, I literally do not know. I was on Amazon one day and I'm like, why is the Miracle Morning in addiction? And I reach out to my sister. I'm like, you need to call Amazon and get this switched. Like, this isn't supposed to be. Well, right after that, someone reached out to me that ran an addiction clinic in Hawaii. And they said, hey, we want to let you know that the Miracle Morning is now part of our program. It's the first thing that we have recovering addicts do is they read the Miracle Morning. They start that practice. And that's like the foundation of the recovery. So then I was like, okay, wait, don't move the category yet. I'm not really sure. And and it ended up becoming the number one bestseller in addiction recovery on Amazon for a long time. And then people would reach out in the Miracle Morning community and say, hey, you know, the Miracle Morning enabled me to stop drinking, give up this addiction, that addiction, you know, and that's where the seed was planted. I was at Joe's house one day and I said, he was talking about all the genius recovery stuff that he's doing, right? Joe's, that's his passion, you know, his recovery. And I said, hey, should we do like a mirror? And I told him the story I just told you. Yeah. I said, should we do like a miracle morning for addicts or you know something like that? And you know, uh, it was quite a few months later that he reached out and said, "Hey, I've got the perfect person to co-author this book with us, Anna David." And you know, he told me all about you. And the rest is history, as they say, right? It is. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. So damn you for kicking my book about <laughs> recovery off the top of the head. Nice. Oh no, I mean no. Sorry. But yeah, I mean, and so it's been an incredible experience. And I do think, look. 
Um, there are all these statistics about addiction. And as you said, it's a huge health crisis today. It is our number one health crisis today. 60,000 people a year in the United States alone overdose just from opiates. It is awful. That's one of like a hundred different addictions you could name, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, opiates is the most lethal. The number one. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That wasn't true when, when I got sober. Um, but it's a crazy time because there are people out there thriving in recovery. You know, when my book Party Girl came out in 2007, nobody was out there talking about addiction and recovery. Now I could name 500 blogs about recovery. Everybody is out and proud. It is a movement. And that is amazing. And that's why I help people do this because every single person who gets out there and talks about the recovery story and doesn't quote, look like what you think an addict would look like inspires 10 more people who are sitting there in shame, whether they're doing cocaine alone in their apartments or they're playing video games or whatever it is to go, oh my God, she can do it. He can do it. I could do it. Yeah. Well, on that note, what do you believe is the major misconception out there around addiction? Well, I think it's, we have a big, it's a great question. You know, we have a big, um, you know, it's not, it's not, we're not bad people trying to get good. We're sick people trying to get well. And it's this idea that people think it's, you know, these, these low lives. Degenerates. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's not about that. It's about pain. As Joe says, you know, quoting Gabor Mate, it's not why the addiction, but why the pain. And, Mm. you know, and, and I think addicts can be just so lonely and we're just longing for connection in my, those days before I, you know, called my mom and told her the story, you know, I was just alone totally cut off. And, you know, the number one solution to uh, recovery besides having a miracle morning is community. And we talk about that in the book a lot. No matter if people think that it should be 12 step or it should be smart recovery or it should be yoga, everybody agrees that it's finding a community of people who have the same things. I don't know. Have you, do you have any, you, you're such a straight laced guy. You have no experience with addiction, right? I don't know that I ever got addicted to something where like I'm able to be addicted in spurts where I'm like addicted for a month and then I can turn it off. It's weird. Yeah. In fact, I had a friend call me out and say, dude, you have ADHD and you need to get, you know, I just went and got prescribed Adderall. And it was kind of before it, like I'd never even heard of it. And it was 2004, I think. I was like, oh, sure. Okay. You think that this will help me? It's helping you. I'll give it a shot. I went to saw the doctor, got prescribed. And then that became an addiction because that becomes a daily, you take it every day, right? And then I took that on and on and I kept trying to break it where I would take it. I probably took it for maybe six months. And then I'm like, I started reading up on it and I'm like, oh, this has potentially harmful effects. So I stopped taking it. And then six months went by, you know, without it. And then I'm like, I need to get focused again. And then I would go back to the doctor and I would get a prescription again. And I went on and off for six months at a time, roughly on and off for like, I don't know, five years, six, 10 years, something like a long time. Yeah. And then when I got cancer, and I was trying to look at what are the causes of cancer since the doctors say they don't know. That's the only thing that I could attribute it to that I put into my body consistently over a long period of time. You know, that's literally meth, right? I mean, it's one molecule away from methamphetamines. And so, yeah, so now I have this commitment that I will never, ever do it again because I think that could be the thing that caused the cancer because I don't know. There's nothing else I could really attribute it to other than my car accident or some freak thing. But anyway, yeah, so that was my experience with addiction. And now, I try to get addicted to positive things, right? Like I'm addicted to this raw vegan food that is delivered every week. It just came right for our interview. And I'm like, it makes me the serotonin fires, the dopamine fires when I get my raw food delivery. 
And that's what I found is like, try to get a, replace your negative addictions with positive addictions, replace video games with reading, right? And then once you make the transitions tough, but once you make it, the new addiction can really replace the old one and it can be a positive addiction. So do you have any, can you speak on that at all with like replacing negative addictions with positive addictions? Yes. It's a somewhat complicated idea because the idea is that the addict in recovery is treating their addictive tendencies. Do you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so the goal is not to be addicted to something else, but to sort of have healthy interests. Yeah. It's really, that's just like nomenclature and like, you know, semantics and all of that stuff, you know, because I will say that, that, you know, I got sober and it was, I didn't have any desire to drink and do drugs, but I got really addictive uh, about my work and about relationships and about exercise and all of these things. And my goal is to have a sort of spiritual connection where I can have healthy relationships with, with things. Yeah. That being said, I'm still me. You know, I've still got that brain chemistry that likes to escape. Work for me is amazing. Literally, I can, I can, it stops my brain. It does what meditation does to my brain. I can just focus. I am like the person who does not need, um, ADHD medication, which is weird because I did so much cocaine. People say to me, they're like, you're like this, not on cocaine. <laughs> God, what you, and I was like, yeah, yeah. It was like this, you know, yeah. million. but, yeah. and I think this is really interesting when you, to lead back to what you said about that treatment center in Hawaii, you, you know, using the miracle morning as part of its, um, who are you there? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. As part of its sort of treatment. Um, the first thing they tell you in rehab is about the mornings. It okay. is the first Thing they tell you and they have a big thing in rehab about making your bed you know, i've heard that yeah yeah it's just like if you can make your bed that's more than you accomplished in the last four months probably so get up make your bed and they and you know 12 step the 11th step in the 12 steps is about meditation and prayer and it is about doing it in the morning so you know that is something that mornings were things you know and i say this in the book i slept through morning i don't know i would get up at noon i was up till four in the morning yeah so so this idea that i could i could start my day right i mean and that's the big thing about the miracle morning is that and the big thing about the addict brain you know people will say I wake up and my disease was doing push-ups while I was sleeping. Um, I wake up and there's a full committee going. And because it's very easy, and I don't think this is just for addicts necessarily, you wake up and your brain is like, your first thought is, oh, Jesus Christ, how could he have done that? And oh my God, today I've got to do this. And it's like, you've got you've to hijack that negativity yeah. and get it focused on something positive. So talk about that. Why do you believe morning? I mean, you already kind of led into that, but why do you believe morning routines are crucial for addicts that are in recovery? Well, it's kind of like you can have this great day and go to sleep and God knows what'll happen. You know, people talk about that. They go to sleep like really grateful for their sobriety and they wake up embittered. Hmm. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to know what's happening in our, you know, unconscious mind. Yeah. But, you know, the truth of the matter is addicts tend towards negativity. I mean, humans tend towards negativity. We, we're, we're conditioned. Our ancestors had to fight off wild boars. We had to look for danger everywhere. And, you know, and, and so basically addicts can really run with that. Um, I, I don't think addicts are that different from normal, quote unquote, normal people. But we think our thoughts and our feelings are so important. Hmm. So I feel like, and I know I'm making this up, someone like you, if you even ever have a negative thought, let's pretend you, 
<laughs> I have, I have plenty. Sure. Okay. You have a negative thought and then you're able to sort of go, yeah, well, that's not true. And yeah. move on. Okay. I believe that addicts and alcoholics, it untreated without a sort of spiritual something else in our lives will go, huh? And meditate on that and then try to fix it and try to figure it out. And they always say in 12 step, figure it out is not one of the steps. Cause <laughs> if you're trying to figure it out, you're basically looking for evidence for why you feel bad. You're, you're look and you're going, well, you know, I've got that bad relationship with my dad. Could be that. Oh, well, I didn't get that work that, you know, when you're just focusing on you're amplifying the negative. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I had a realization about a few years ago, and I'm constantly reminding myself is that our negative thoughts and even our negative emotions aren't actually as destructive or difficult to deal with as our judgment about those thoughts and about those emotions. So like I woke up, it was probably a week ago and I felt super depressed, like super depressed. And it created all this fear. And I was like, wait, why do I feel this way? And when you're in that state, it's hard to, that's where affirmations are so powerful, right? Because you read the affirmation, whether it's in the morning or any time of day, and it reminds you, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter what you're thinking or feeling right now. Like this is truth. You've written truth, your truth on paper, and this guides you toward that truth. It reminds you that the way you feel or think right now is only temporary. It's not a life sentence. So there's no reason in making it a bigger deal than it is. And that was it. I just reminded myself, the way I feel right now, I feel depressed and it's scaring the heck out of me, right? Is uh, that like, I'm not gonna feel this way forever because that's what happened is our brain doesn't, it's not very spatially aware. It's not able to really think through, like the way that it feels is it feels like it's all encompassing. So if you feel depressed or down or sad, and you tell yourself, oh my God, this is who I am. This is my life. This is what I think, what I feel, right? Versus this is a very temporary state of being. I'll probably feel better after I have my coffee or eat something or rehydrate or go for a walk, right? And that's actually what I did is I went for a bike ride around my neighborhood and yeah. I felt 10 times better when the bike ride was over. Right. You know, so the judgment we make about how we feel when we don't feel optimum, when we feel down, depressed, scared, negative, Judging that as a bigger deal than it is, I think, is the big deal. The way you feel is just temporary. And if you remind yourself, I'll feel different at some point later today, tomorrow, you know, whatever, and just ride it out. And the next day, I woke up feeling a little bit depressed. And the day after that, I felt pretty much back to normal. And I don't know. I think men menstruate, I don't, or not menstruate, but I think we have hormonal imbalances just like women do, you know, right? Yeah. I, oh, yo, you do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wait, what the Buddhists call the second arrow. Have you heard about that? I don't think so. Yeah. The first arrow is I'm depressed. The second arrow is what's wrong with me for being so ah, depressed. Ah, there you go. That's what causes it. I'm reading this great book called Buddha's Brain. Beautiful. Which we recommend in the Miracle yeah, the Morning. Miracle Morning and there's this great quote. I actually have it over there on my bulletin board. And it's, um, thoughts are just thoughts. Sounds are just sounds. Situations are just situations. People are just being who they are. And the reason that I needed to write that one down is I think my thoughts are the end all be all most important thing to think of them as something as innocuous as a sound, you know, it really can put it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Let's talk about people, various types of people. So people that are in recovery. So if someone is listening to this or if someone knows someone who was an addict, they're now a recovering addict. So if you're a recovering addict, how do people that are in recovery help those who are currently suffering with addiction? Well, I think it's so important because, because basically anybody who has overcome 
you know, overcome is an interesting word, who has struggled with and, and is not currently doing drugs, is in recovery, um, can be an inspiration for someone out there. All of us. And, and I think there's this major misconception for people out there who are suffering. They think all these sober people went skipping into recovery and we were just holding hands and we're just you know, nerds who were just excited to have really boring lives. And no, we all felt like that. We, this was sobriety was the last thing any of us wanted. And so for us to be able to help share our stories about that and, you know, and it's like, that's why I help other writers write books and write articles about this, because for every one person uh, that's out there, 10, 20, 30, 40 people are hearing it. So I believe it, it's not that it's um, somebody in recovery has an obligation because there are, there are people who don't have careers where this is allowed. I'm a writer in LA. People expect me to be an addict. So there's nothing shocking about me coming out, busting out with this news. Somebody who's like a banker in Des Moines, they may not have that freedom or that luxury. So people who are in recovery who are not talking about it, that is absolutely fine if that's going to negatively impact your life. But if you are in a position where you can share this experience and show people, you know, because addiction is about hopelessness. You do not think there is any escape. It's with that depression you described. But o- over years and years and years, um, you know, coupled with, you know, drugs that are depressants. Yeah. And, you know, and stimulants that you're going to come down from. So, yeah. So I think the most important thing that people in recovery can do is share their stories, whether that's in books, on podcasts in storytelling shows, in essays, whatever it is. At the coffee shop, in rehab? Yeah, sure. Well, how about people that are not in recovery? So those are, you know, don't have experience with addicts, but they have a relative or, you know, friend, family member that is is an addict. How can they help those that are currently suffering with addiction? Well, and, and by the way, that's everybody. When I go and I speak and I say, who out there uh, knows somebody yeah. or somebody who's struggling with addiction, not one person's hand is down. So that's, that's everybody. Um, And I think treating people with compassion instead of judgment, that's a big part of Joe's mission and understanding that, you know, the, the sad fact of the matter is you can't get somebody to stop, but by showing them compassion by, um, you know, by sort of taking the focus off of them, you're going to stand the best chance of them finding the help. And, you know, in a book like this, I don't know if, you know, the person that you know who is struggling, who has been struggling, I am certainly not saying, oh my God, if you give them this book, they, their addiction is over. It's over, yeah, sure. But it could help. Yeah. It certainly could help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it might help too for somebody to read it that knows the addict, right? Yeah. You know, so if you care about somebody to really understand what yeah. they're going through and what they need to transform and to be helped, you know, knowing that, understanding that. Uh, I have, well, I have relatives that are addicted to prescription drugs and such, but um, anyway, that's another story. But is there a quality, like one quality that you believe all addicts have in common? Yes. And I don't mean this in a self-aggrandizing way. Addicts are hyper smart, hyper motivated, hyper resilient. You know, for us to survive those drug dealers and those shady, weird things we did and to get by all of those years, you know, usually a lot of us unemployed, but somehow managing to find our drugs of choice. You know, there's actually Tori Utley, who's mentioned in Miracle Morning, has a TEDx talk about how you drop a you drop a group of addicts off somewhere in some forest and you drop another group off and the other group gets lost and the addicts are home by, you know, two hours. 
Um, the problem is that <laughs> all that all that brilliance that so many addicts have is focused on the wrong thing. Once we get into recovery, we are capable of anything. You know, I will say my experience, you know, when I got sober, my dream was to be a gossip reporter. I thought the height of my success could be interviewing celebrities on a, a red carpet. I worked mm. at People's Magazine. Um, you know, I didn't even know I would write one book, let alone like, this is my seventh. Are you kidding me? Like, I just had all this energy that, um, that didn't know where to go. And I believe that is true of every, every addict out there. So I have a quick question for you, because I don't know the answer to this. So the foreword for the Miracle Morning Prediction Recovery was written by the famous Dr. Drew or Dr. Drew Pinsky, host of the Dr. Drew on Call, Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew, Loveline Radio Show, right? I mean, he's one of the most famous people in the addiction space helping recovering addicts. I'm curious, how do you know Dr. Drew? How did you get him to do the foreword? Because I, I don't, I'm curious. I don't know that. He's the best. He is the best. Uh, you know, I met him when I first, oh my God, you know what's crazy? He and I never talk about this. Oh, wow. I just remembered this. I was not sober. There was a drug called GHB. Again, you're too much of an innocent to know about I've it. I've heard of that. What's it stand for? GABA something. Okay. Something specific. And when I, in the late 90s, um, I was around people who were doing it. It's liquid. Um, you drink. It's extremely dangerous because you can die. It's, you know, it not... People would walk around parties with this big bottle, take a swig from it. It was insane. I mean, you were so high. Crazy. And Drew and Adam Carolla had this show, this radio show, Loveline. And I was working at a magazine, barely, and I reached out to him and said, "Could I? can I interview you about this? And he had me come down to the station and interview callers. But I was a mess. That was like my cocaine days. I wasn't making any sense. Yeah. Um, and then I started, yeah, I got sober. I started writing for magazines and, and I was writing about drugs and alcohol and recovery for details and Playboy and LA Times and a bunch of places. And I would reach out to him and he would always give me a quote. And then over the years, we just became good friends. And he's such a good man. Um, wow. There is nobody out there who um, who has done more. You know, he's somewhat controversial. People uh, don't understand uh, that this is a guy. He is not an addict himself, but he understands addiction in a way that no other non-addict I know is able to. Hmm. Um, yeah. So he's just he's just a great man. And I asked him to do it. And he immediately said yes. Cool. That's cool. Well, I think, Anna, you know, in the bigger picture, what you're doing, and I guess I really resonate with it because what I try to do is, you know, you're taking your life experience, your trauma, your mistakes, if you will, your recovery, and you're paying it forward and you're helping other people through all of your work. Um, you're speaking, you're coaching, you're the books that you write, the books you help other people write. And of course, our book that we wrote together, The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to track you down to get in touch with you? Well, lighthustler.com is sort of my hub for all that. We have a publishing company. We have a whole bunch of stuff we're doing. And then I have um, two courses and coaching programs. One is All the Right Moves. That's the writing one. So okay. it's alltherightmoves.net. And then audiencebuildingforwriters.com. But I'm also on all the social medias at Anna B. David on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And yeah, I'm kind of... You can't not find me. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. Well, it's been cool talking to you today. Al, thank you so much. This was really, really fun. So yeah. I'm excited for our book to be out there in the world. Me too. And for all of you goal achievers, the book is The Miracle Morning for Addiction Recovery, Letting Go of Who You've Been for Who You Can Become. It is by me, Anna David, Joe Polish, and Honoré Quarter. 
And uh, yeah, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, I invite you to uh, head over to Amazon and you can get them a copy of the book on paperback, Kindle, and audiobook soon. I don't know if it's today, but ASAP, we're working on getting that up there. So love and appreciate you. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Thanks for listening to Anna, David. Hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. I love you and I will talk to you next week, everybody. Take care. Bye, thank you. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. 